Have you subscribed to the Noteworthy newsletter? If you want to learn more about the latest news, strategies, and opportunities in the real estate note investing space, you need to subscribe. We're so convinced you're going to love it that we're giving away a free three-month trial subscription to our podcast listeners. Simply go to www.notetools.com forward slash free newsletter to get your trial subscription today. That's notetools.com forward slash free newsletter. Welcome back to the Noteworthy USA podcast. I'm your host, as always. I'm joined by my trusty sidekick, lumberjack friend, Mr. Aaron Halderman. What's up, brother? Good, good. I wore this special Paul Bunyan shirt just for you today. I know. I know. In, fact, I told, in fact, I told my kids over breakfast, I was like, look, it's Paul Bunyan, kids. And they're like, Dad, it is. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll even dye my gray beard brown, and maybe this is what I'll do for Halloween. So. There you go. Built-in costumes, awesome. Well, uh, it's good to be back, man. This is our first podcast back after hosting, uh, you know, the virtual event uh, that we did. And uh, first of all, I, I think uh, on behalf of both of us, I just want to say thank you to everybody that attended or, or bought the recordings after the fact. If you weren't able to to come check it out in person, I mean, it was a jam-packed like two days of content. And I think the biggest feedback that I got, you know, um, just from some conversations I had offline with people was just on wanting to dive deeper into deals. And obviously with the amount of speakers that we had, there just wasn't a lot of time to go far into dissecting a note. I mean, we, we could barely find time to even get a break, you know, in between speakers and stuff because there were so many great questions and, and all that in between the speakers. But um, people wanted to know more about, you know, making offers where to find deals and, and going through all that stuff in, in a more deep and meaningful way. And so Aaron and I, we, we kind of put our heads together after the event and said, Hey, you know, we need to come up with something that can really facilitate that. And we kind of have something special for you guys. So on December 3rd, we're going to be doing an all day deep dive with the one and only Mr. Kevin Shortell. And he's going to come in and train very specifically on doing due diligence you know, how he looks at a deal and analyzes it, uh, exit strategies that he looks at, how if he buys a non-performing, how he works it out to get it re-performing and how to price the deals. So if you're really looking for a, a deeper dive into note investing, uh, you're not going to want to miss this. So you can head over to uh, noteworthyworkshop.com for more information on that event. Uh, again, that's noteworthyworkshop.com. So any, anything you want to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, I do. Um, and, and like Ben said, yeah, thanks for all the feedback and everybody that attended and participated. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the, the, probably the biggest takeaways we got was like what Ben said already, like doing a further deep dive. And so we'll have a session that we do that, that kind of goes through a little bit paint by the numbers of what we do in our business. And then we will have a special guest speaker that will talk about raising private capital and then other than that, it's, you know, primarily Kevin Shortell um, doing the training on, on what he does in the business day in, day out, uh, you know, no holds barred, if you will. And so I think it's going to be uh, a unique event. Uh, it's definitely priced right. Like it's a no brainer as far as the pricing con is concerned. But 
I think it'll be good. Um, we'll have some good participation and we'll provide the recordings too for everyone. So yep. I think it'll be great. Awesome. Well, all right. So uh, we're excited to be back on the podcast. And so on the show today, we've got a great guest. So joining us today is Cody Faller from Faller Financial. And he's going to share with us, you know, how they help investors and institutions, you know, handle selling their notes and a whole lot more. So uh, we're excited to have him. Welcome to the show, Cody. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. So uh, why don't you uh, start out, you know, give us a little bit of background on you, how you got involved in the business of note investing and, and where it all came from. Yeah. Um, so going back to, to really just, um, you know, post uh, financial crisis, you know, 2009, um, I came um, into contact with a group. Uh, I, I knew an individual in, in that, in that firm, but they were pretty heavy in the bulk REO business, which was somewhat novel at the time in terms of institutional acquisitions, um, you know, five, $10 million, $15 million REO trades with banks. And so that's how I sort of cut my teeth on, on getting into the, the, the note business because that market started to, to dry up. Those same institutions were selling the paper. And, and so that group evolved and it was a young, small company making pretty big moves and, uh, you know, making mistakes at the same time, which, which for me, going through that period and seeing how the pricing evolved and where the mistakes were made, uh, it, was, it was like, uh, you know, learning on steroids because it was such an accelerated uh, curve for me being in this group and wearing a lot of hats. But, but that's, uh, you know, that, that's, 2009, 2010, and then Faller Financial was born out of that period when I went out on my own. Um, and and a big reason for that is just going back a bit further, my educational background is entrepreneurship. Uh, so right where I'm at here today in, in Tucson, Arizona, uh, haven't lived here my whole life, but that's where I went to school at the U of A and uh, the Carl Eller School of, uh, of, of Entrepreneurship. So that's... Uh, it was uh, sort of calling me back to, to uh, an entrepreneurial uh, venture. And, uh, you know, growing up, I, I was always looking for, you know, opportunities to be, you know, in, in the free enterprise world. And, and so Faller Financial, I would say, is probably my first real venture that, that uh, took root and has been successful. And, you know, happy to say, you know, 10 years later that, uh, you know, that, that uh, company that started really as an advisory, because like I said, I saw a lot, I wore a lot of hats and um, learned about the acquisition side, learned about the real estate valuation side, the title side. I, I sat with the attorney, worked through, you know, purchase and sale agreements. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better, just kind of being thrown in the, the deep end with the sharks and, and, and being forced to learn a, a lot of different capabilities. And, and that, that's how the advisory work started. So I'm curious about that because like, I don't know if any of us on this call, maybe you're different, but for, I know for me and Aaron, I don't think we got into this business or got into business in, in any way, shape or form thinking, all right, it's going to be notes, right? So was that the case for you? Did you know it was going to go in that direction or was it something you just kind of stepped into and you're like, oh my God, this is something that actually you could do. Like, what was that experience like for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. It was it was sort of synchronicity, if you will. It, it, I certainly didn't know. I mean, like I say, the REO component was really kind of the the base uh, business, the core business, and, and then that sort of morphed into oh, here here's this other opportunity. So much like others, I think I kind of stumbled into this business. It wasn't like somebody told me, hey, this note business, go 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 learn it, and here's how you do it. It's just kind of like okay, you know, it was very fluid. And, yeah. and which is kind of how I, I do business today as well. I mean, in terms of uh, seeing other opportunities in real estate, uh, the core business for us, which Buffalo Park is, is, the, um, is the note investing arm of, of my company, but financial is more consultancy where if somebody wanted to sell their loans or if, if somebody was looking for us to source loans, you know, we, we have relationships and sometimes it's actually for the same group, right? I mean, we might source loans for somebody and sell their loans as well, just because we've built that network up and, and I can take a look at a, you know, a, a pool of loans and say the, the best execution on this segment here, if we parse this out is for, you know, this, this buyer, it might be a, a bank. And then for this group, it might be a hedge fund and this group, it might be, you, you know, uh, so, so really that's how we've, We've learned who are the best players in the market. And so from an advisory um, component, it's, it's, yes, it's the relationships, but we, I've never, my personal philosophy has never been, let's try to get a fee for just putting a buyer and a seller together. I always had this just um, deep curiosity about how to do this business. And so I, 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 I never got out of the way, if you will. Um, and, and fortunately, because I was really um, seeking to add value to the transaction, it wasn't about avoiding circumvention. Folks just realized like, oh, hey, he's actually helping not being a hindrance here. It's not like we have to go through the broker and, um, you, you know, and, and we can't just talk principle, principle to principle. It's actually, I, I really appreciated, you know, years into the consulting before I was actually a, a buyer myself. Um, somebody had described, um, you know, Fowler Financial as the, the brokerage that, that acts as a principal, but just isn't the one stroking the check. So it was like we were packaging it up right to the end and then somebody else was just buying it. And that's actually what led me to, to this, this um, sort of epiphany that, hey, you, you know, you're doing all of the work here. Why wouldn't you keep the assets? And, and that's why we started just a, a couple of years back starting to really scale the acquisition side and, and how Buffalo Park came about and why we've got a, a portfolio today that I'm I'm proud to and and proud to have and and uh, proud to have the team around me and I, I think there's some some real um, interesting talking points that we can get into about why our particular model works well for us but that's but that's that's how we got here today is sort sort of just fallen into it I love it. I always, always said that, you know, being aware of notes and note investing has just made me a better real estate investor because of all the creative things that you're exposed to when you're dealing with just the paper, you know, aspect of the business. And it's like, you know, a lot of people think it's the holy grail of, you know, of investing when they discover notes after they've been a long-term real estate investor, whether they're fixing and flipping or wholesaling or, 
you know, what, what, or just rentals, whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, found it. I'm done with all that crap. I'm just a note person now. This is what I'm doing. And I've always kind of been the antithesis of that. I was like, why would you, why would you bell on that? You know, the, you know, the, the notes provide great cash flow and income, but you know, the real estate still provides good equity, you know? And so having a little bit of both is always great. Um, you know, similar to how, if you're diversified in the stock market or whatever, if you will, but, you know, I, I love people's stories and how it comes together and, you know, congratulations on all that you're working on and what you're doing too, and, and how you arrived at where you're, where you're at today. And, you know, it sounds like you're an action taker, you know, learn a little bit, take the action, implement, and, you know, scale and build a team. And not everybody does that. They do a lot of talking, a lot of educating, you know, or maybe even more educating and they've spent a ton of money in that and now they can invest because they spent like a hundred K, you know, on their coaching or whatever it is. And they're like, shoot, wish I wouldn't have done that, you know? And so, which, which happens a lot. And we're kind of, you know, we're, we're definitely against that mindset, definitely for investing in yourself and educating. So I, I know you've been out in the space. I know you've been, you know, educating on other people's platforms about what you're doing and stuff. And so, why don't you why don't you tell us you know what you're hoping to accomplish you know over the next few years and kind of like what's your long term trajectory I, I don't think we can really think ten years down the road you know so I think you mentioned like here's where I'm at where I want to be in three to five years yeah yeah and and I presume you know the 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 ten year uh, you know plan is kind of like what what will the world even look like in, in 10 years, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and that's really come to light even more in, in the last, you know, six to eight months. Uh, but even before that, right, we just had, um, you know, uh, Peter Diamandis is, is a, a colleague of mine that's in a, um, in a, a program strategic coach up in, in Toronto. Yeah. And um, I've, I've always been fascinated with, you know, he wrote um, Bold in Abundance and, uh and, and then his most recent book, but it, it's about the pace of change, right, is, is accelerating. So, you know, will, will the note world look drastically different five to 10 years from now? I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're still going to live in homes and there's still going to be debt and, and uh, there's going to be, you know, potentially new creative ways of, of structuring it. But, um, but, but that's sort of the bedrock. I mean, I think the, when I think about the, the single family residence, uh, compared to, you know, maybe certain aspects of commercial like retail and whatnot, there's a lot more uncertainty there. The role of the home has expanded, right? It's become uh, a, a real focal point here, especially with the stay at home or shelter in place concept. I mean, great reason why uh, or explanation for why Home Depot has been just, just you know, going gangbusters, right? Yeah. There's this, uh, a lot of people saying, hey, the home is important. So, I think that that's been been interesting, but you know, for, for us, our, our particular as I was referencing earlier, that that works well for us is, I, I think that you want to, as a business uh, owner or operator, really do something on a day to day basis that you enjoy, right? Having the conversations that you like to have, surrounding yourself with people that that are, are either like minded or you can just there, you you have um, you get enjoyment and fulfillment for being around them and learning from them. So. For me, the, the way that I like to spend my days, I, I happen to like cash flow assets, 
Okay, there are plenty of other clients and colleagues of mine and a perfect rationale for non-performing notes. We're just not set up that way. But, but for me, the, the way that I think that the next three to five years plays out is very similar to what the last two years has looked like in terms of the trajectory of, of really scaling and building the right uh, vendors around us, having the right asset management on board with me, building the right relationships for on the sourcing and acquisition side and, and having the right capital, um, you know, the, the, the capital side of things, I, I really enjoy it. Something I did early on is, as well. Um, so working with investors is, is really key, but you know, for us, we tend to buy first and second liens that are performing or re-performing. We have a small part of the portfolio that is non-performing, either you know, they, uh, it's bankruptcy or or foreclosure or just sub-performing. But I, I I love the passive income mailbox money kind of build the money machine approach. Okay, so we we've, we've gone from uh, a very small you know maybe eighteen. Uh, 15, 18 months ago, we had a handful of loans and now we're you know, north of 60 and our largest acquisition on a single loan uh, was just in the last six weeks and it was uh, you know, $3.6 million. So to, to, to go from a small one-off, maybe seller finance transactions, you know, stroking a $50,000 check to, you know, we didn't of course pay 3.6 million, but, but, but this, was, this was a large performing um, you know, transaction. So what I want to do is always be growing. I, I, I always want to be stretching. I always want to be learning. You, you touched on that, Aaron, is, you know, being around people that, that, that maybe have done things that you haven't done, um, maybe have a, a philosophy that, that it may be slightly different than yours is sometimes very good because then it forces you to, to say, as long as there's not ego in, involved and you say, hey, you know, it's like Ray Dalio, like, why do, do I know I'm right? Why do I think I'm right? and start questioning the way that you think about things. I think that's, if I was investing with somebody, I would really want them to have that philosophy as opposed to, I know everything, I'm an expert. Because it's, it's, uh, it's like John C. Maxwell says, like, you know, he doesn't consider himself an expert, he considers himself an authority, but it's the, the expert that stops asking questions, right? Stops being curious. And so when somebody you know, says, hey, you're an expert note investor, I say, no, I'm, I'm proficient. And, but there's, I see things every day that I didn't know that on the prior transaction. You know, going back to Ray Dalio, again, you can kind of say this is one of those. This looks like one of those and it goes in that bucket. So you kind of know, you know how, you, how you approach it. But that's part of the beauty, I think, of this business is uh, I, I love – I love being creative. I love problem solving. And I think those are also, they just happen to be two skills that you will need in the future. That, that, that creativity and innovation and problem solving is never going to go away. So I've got a five and a six-year-old at home. And that's, those are two qualities that I really try to instill in them is those are, those are survival skills as well as networking. You know, I mean, Harvey McKay talks about that in, in uh, you know, dig your well before you're thirsty. Th those are super and being self-reliant and and that's another part of this business that i think is really nice is you know i mean look at us where we could do this from a computer we could do this from a cell phone there's a lot of things we can live wherever we want to live i mean you and i touched on this earlier i mean i've moved the business to san diego and moved it back to tucson and we didn't skip a beat yeah so it's a fantastic business 
That's good stuff, man. So I, you said something interesting there and it, it, it's only a mindset thing where you went from like this spot of, all right, I'm doing, you know, maybe a 50,000 deal to now I'm up to buying a, a, an unpaid balance of three and a half million. What was the catalyst that made that happen? Was it a mindset shift? Was it a, all right, I've got this dialed in now I can, you know, it, it's an ability to scale up. Like what, what was the difference maker that made that you be able to make that jump? Because I think that's where a lot of people get scared. They're like, you might not have had three and a half million dollars in the bank to buy that deal. Right. So, and you're saying, okay, well, how do I make that happen? Like, so is it just a questions thing for you that took, that made the difference? Like walk us through that, that shift. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think you touched on the mindset piece and that, and that is huge, right? It, it's, it's the belief that, that, you know, your next step, your next jump in the business makes sense and, and you're ready to do it and others are ready to follow you if you're raising capital. So, so that was, that, that was definitely a, um, you know, we've, we've gotten this far, we've proven ourselves, we've, we've got uh, a great track record, you know, we check these boxes. This is, this is just more capital, but it's the, it's the same intensity of, of understanding the downside and preparing for that and, and then looking at the upside, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's, and I've, and I've talked, um, you know, diversification, uh, quite a bit to, to folks around me. And, and, you know, the idea of lots of little income streams is wonderful. You've got that diversification, but there's also a balance there where sometimes a deal just makes sense and, and you, you know, you can deploy more capital. So, so that, that's part of it. I mean, that's part of the rationale that some people take when they're in resi, residential, and then they look at commercials. They say, look, this is kind of similar. We can deploy more money. We can, oh, we can scale more this way. And I'm not so much about size just for size, like just being big. Again, kind of going back to the ego thing. It's not like, you know, we just want to say we're a $100 million fund. I'm really more interested in kind of the return on energy and the enjoyment and the profitability, right? Like, you know, if, if you can have profitable, but, but have, you know, less complexity, that makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, sometimes it's just... Uh, it's just the size is going to create more problems uh, if you have to have more overhead and, 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 and so on. So I like the idea of, you know, right now we're very lean. I mean, we're a handful of, of folks and then we've got our vendors, right? We've got an external team. We've got a fantastic collateral team, external. We've got a legal counsel that's, that's external. We've got, you know, our title folks, our valuation company, you know, our, our two servicers, and we've vetted them and worked with them and developed those relationships. But that's, that's where the scale comes in as well, right? We don't need a massive headcount to have a lot of loans as long as we know what we're doing with our vendors as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, Ben, going back to the mindset piece, that's part of why when I mentioned strategic coach, why I've been in that, I've been involved with a lot of Tony Robbins uh, events, whether it be Date with Destiny with my wife uh, last Very year. Very good event. Unleashed. Yeah, very good. I mean, you know, any, anybody that's going to spend, you know, five, six days for 12, 15 hours a day uh, to one in the morning trying to figure out, you know, how, it, you know, thinking about their thinking and, and kind of prioritizing and understanding, like, what is, what is it I'm doing this for? I mean, that's, again, it's a little woo, it's a little, a little spiritual, 
But yeah. to me, at, at you know, at 43 years old, I, I, I'm really starting and having a family and kids growing up. I really think about like what are the things that are important to me in, in my life, and, and how am I kind of building, um, you know, the business around me and creating freedom and sort of life on my own terms by my own design. That's that that goes back to part of the entrepreneurial aspect, but it's also very much. Um, along the lines of a, of a growth mindset and not fixed. I mean, I was just exchanging uh, some, some thoughts with somebody this morning about uh, a, an author by the name of Benjamin Hardy. He wrote the book, um, Personality Isn't Permanent. And, but most people would think like, okay, well, hey, Myers-Briggs and, and Enneagram and these personality tests, they tell you how you are, how you've always been and how you'll always be. And, and that's, that's very fixed mindset. That, to believe that, that is super limiting. So, so, you know, so that's, that's part of it. I think that that's where the growth comes is saying we're capable, we're adding capabilities, we're investing in ourselves, we're learning from other people. This is the next logical step. And, and it's almost not even about the money. It's more about where you're going. I mean, that's kind of, you know, Jim Rohn concept there, but, but uh, I, I'm really, I want to know how far I can go. Yeah. About the focusing on that journey, you know, that, that right. journey. it's a marathon not a sprint and all these kind of different one-liners you hear. I think there's a couple, I got a couple key takeaways that I wrote down. One was, you know, a power team of vendors. Okay. You've vetted them. You have kind of a couple of each, um, you know, it allows you to scale by running lean uh, with your, your in-house team of staff. And I think that's key. You also mentioned energy, like focusing on the things that like gives you energy to, to build on and, and grow from, and then knowing your weaknesses to, you know, that's where you get the staff involved. That's where you get the power team of vendors involved. And you're focusing on the mindset, the energy, the scale, the management, the leadership and all those things. And then I'll mention, I'll mention this too, because I think this is key for people. This business isn't for everyone. You know, it, it, it's not, it's, it's hard work. It takes uh perseverance, determination, and specialized knowledge, and actually doing the work. And so sometimes I think at the same time, while I'll say it's not necessarily for everyone, I think people give up too quickly too, you know, or they have a bad experience learning from somebody, or, you know, they have a bad experience in, on some deals they've done or invested in with a group or an individual, or, or they themselves messed up. And so I think these are all key things to to, to learn from and do, which really leads me into a, a, a question I have for you. Like, you know, Cody, tell us like, now that you've been at this, you know, 10 plus years, how is the business different today than it was five, 10 years ago? Like, where, where are we at? What have you seen? And what are some of the things that, that, you know, maybe some challenges that you had that, that you learned from and where it is today? Yeah, I think one of the things that that is different in and in, in it, um, I think, kind of ebbs and flows is is just the availability of product in, in the market, right? And and I've heard it's it's funny because over those those ten years, I, I've almost always heard some people say there's no product out there, like it's yeah. all dried up, and and I think it's really a matter of you know, where, where are you looking? Who are you? What circles are you? Um, you know, involving yourself in. Uh, how actively are, are, are you, um, you know, really involved in the space 
to, to have those inbound opportunities as, as well as, you know, where, where you're, you're pushing, um, you know, uh, out uh, inquiries and, and trying to get in front of people. So I think what's changed is there, there have been times where there just was uh, a surplus of product and people could just say, you know, hey, I, I want a 13 to 15% return and lots of equity on a first lien and it's got to be super clean and, you know, and, and, and they could do that all day long. And then you've seen some compression of, of yield and, um, you know, more difficulty and, and, you know, maybe some of the collateral is, is not as clean in certain trades. And so you're having to kind of deal with more curative stuff. And so, you know, it, there's, I, I think there's, there's that piece. There's, there's also, um, and, and this may just be my personal experience, uh, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's not systemic, but it, it seems like with, with foreclosures, um, there's well definitely in the last six months, right? Because we've got the COVID, you know, stays and the CARES Act and whatnot. For a lender today and landlords, it's a pretty difficult environment today. I've never really come across quite what we're seeing. In, in 2009, you did see foreclosure moratoria, uh, particularly in California and some other states. So that's not a that's that's not a first, but it it is a an environment where I think you need to be really dialed in with understanding your timelines, your carry costs, and whatnot, because you're not going to just move through uh, workouts quite like um, you, you know you might have during di different times. And, and I would expect that to to, to stick around for for a while, you, you know. So um, so so those are some ways that I've I've seen. Um, it, it changed. I think there's also more competition. There's, I think there's more people that have come into the space and uh, that could certainly be on the, I mean, we run pay-per-click campaigns for seller finance and there's, you know, I could just tell you on a, the, the cost of, of, of our campaigns, right? I mean, the auction process, it costs more on keywords, um, you know, maybe less inquiries, more competition, less quality leads. So you really have to, you know, figure out, you, you know, do we have the right campaigns? Are we allocating the right amount of money in the right states and, and really understand all of that. Um, so maybe more competition. And, and then, you know, we've also seen, you know, Goldman Sachs came into the space pretty heavy. Uh, and, and at that level in the institutional world, they were cleaning up, uh, you know, just about every, um, you know, a pool that was out there. So you've seen some of the major players and it's not that they haven't been around, but there's been, I think, a lot of domination amongst a few of them, you know, and it, and it still trickles down through the aggregators down to, to, to our level uh, in similar fashion. But I, I think those are some of the, some of the changes that I've noticed. You know, I, I saw um, uh, uh, Governor Newsom out of California uh, just passed and signed, signed a bill into law that at, for, at foreclosure trustee cells, they now uh, 45 days after, you know, let's say you, you, you bid, you won, you won the property at the trustee cell for a period of 45 days after that, title's now clouded. And the tenant, uh, uh, an individual, a family that wants to have that home as a primary residence, and this is the real kicker: certain nonprofit organizations will be able to go pick up that property now. And I just thought, man, this is crazy. I was like, you know, 
we're already dealing with this, and, and that goes to the point that you said we're probably going to see more of these moratoriums, and it'll be it'll be different in different states, and it'll definitely impact you know how we do business, and we're going to have to be that much more educated, you know, and and experienced, and have to come together as a community and group of educating each other on what's going on you know what are the some of the things that we need, need to look for and i was just like i remember telling my wife that the other day i was like you know what they just did in california like last week they just signed it at the end of september it was like we went a property and we now can't pretty much can't do anything with it for 45 days i was like that's almost two months that's six weeks i was like that's crazy so and yeah with, with rule changes like that and this this was going to be my question for you cody is like who is your ideal client, but is that changing now, given like the the climate of everything? Do you see that changing or is it going to remain kind of the same or just with different nuances? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, our ideal client is, uh, I mean, I, I, I love to interact with, with institutions, in particular banks. Um, we, we've fortunately had some very successful transactions with, with a number of, of banks, um, not, not the money center banks, uh, you know, your Wells and City, but, but you know, more regional or, or even local. And I, I think there's a good relationship there if, um, you know, we can be super reliable and, and, um, and, and, and quick to act for them if they, I'll just give you an example. I got a call um, on a, uh, a, a, in the afternoon at like two o'clock on a couple of loans uh, from the bank and they said, hey, we're going to committee at five o'clock. Can you bid these? Uh, I want to go into the meeting and know what, where we're at. And, and so that's a nice place to be. And that's kind of an ideal client, right? So that, so yeah. that they know they get good market color from us and, and, and we can, um, you know, be a good liquidity solution to them if they've downgraded an asset or need to just, you know, before the end of the quarter, get it off the books. And, you know, we, we wrote a, a blog post, uh, I think it's on our website, the four day close, because the same bank uh, in, in June of last year called on a Monday and needed to close by Friday and we ended up closing on Thursday, a day earlier. So it was the it was a four day close. Called they called on Monday and 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 wrapped it up, funded, wired. Um, and so what I would like to do is that's where I enjoy spending my time. There there are certain things about that type of relationship when you're buying direct from an originator that's that's very nice. You kind of remove a lot of the challenges of okay, can we find a signer for this missing a launch? Uh, or this, you know, gap in the assignment chain, that type of deal, or, you know, they lost the note, you know, all of some of the collateral issues. Now, now there's also opportunity there as well, right? If you're, if you're proficient on the curative side, and this goes back to, you know, like Aaron, we were talking about with the power team on the vendors, you know, we happen to have a very good curative collateral team. And so sometimes we can, in our due diligence, say, look, we can figure this out here is going to trade at a discount because the seller has defective collateral here or missing collateral. So, um, so, so that's also, I think an ideal client for us is, is where we can serve them at the highest level because maybe others in the market don't, don't have that, that capability or knowledge or maybe the patience to work through it. And so like I, I said to somebody the other day, I said, look, we're, we're, 
we've never gotten into really the the scratch and dent or you know the the big jumbo packages that are trading at premiums because there are folks that do that very well and and for me going back to the more profitable deals and the deals I enjoy doing I'd rather unravel complexity as it be it get paid to think and and so you know that's that's why I think it's interesting Aaron you're right the business isn't for everybody um, it can it can be frustrating because it can take time. I mean, I just got a first transaction done uh, in the last year with somebody that I had been um, interacting with at meetings for about seven years, and and that felt pretty darn good, right? Like we continued to meet, we continued to say, hey, we haven't gotten anything done yet. Not sure where the opportunity is going to be because um, we had an advisory. You know, we we have the advisory side, they have the advisory side, but then uh, you know, so we kind of were almost competing. But that's another thing that's interesting in the spaces. You can you can hold all your contacts, you know, close to the vest and 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 your knowledge and, and expertise, and you can say kind of with a scarcity mindset, I'm going to go and I'm going to do well, but by not sharing. And then there's another uh, philosophy, which is there's a lot of of opportunity out there. You 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 know what you, what you do with others is coming back to you. Right. And, 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 and that abundance mindset, I think that, uh, you know, I th- it might have been Jack Krupe that, that coined the, the term uh, cooperation <laughs> on a panel one time. But the idea, uh, the idea there that you've got competitors, but you're cooperating and it's competition, but they're, they're, it, it becomes more fruitful, all the relationships. I, I have found that to be the case time and time again. Well, you know, the, everything comes back to you. The, 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 the concept of giver's gain and having an abundance mindset. I think Bob Bird wrote a book on, you know, the concept of giver's gain, but, you know, even Ben and I and our, our relationship and partnership came through live events and networking and mutual colleagues and, you know, just putting yourself out there, you know, whether some people believe in a higher power or whatever, it's like, it's putting yourself out there to, to develop those relationships and to, to, to keep at it. I like, you, you did bring up something like really what you've carved out within the note space is your own niche or niche or whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce it. I always say niche. Um, that's probably the Texan in me anyways. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know, and, and that's, what's great about this space is you can carve out your own little niche. Like you don't have to go compete with other people that maybe have more tools, resources, or even maybe even more capital that you can do. You can play in this space because there's so many different aspects of it. And, and also that I think can directly correlate with someone's particular skill set or what they, they want to learn about. And so that's what I find like fascinating about this state. You know, typically when you're dealing with actual property, people, typically speaking, they have some knowledge or experience with a hammer, you know, or doing some of the work because that's kind of what it takes, right? Whether you're fixing and flipping or the due diligence, but because we're dealing with the, 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 the paper side of it, you know, the, the property is the collateral and we're concerned about that, but we're not doing the work, so to speak. We may end up if we have to foreclose or do whatever, but that's just not you know, so I think, you know, I find a lot of people that kind of ha- are numbers driven or have an analytical part of their, their thinking, a lot of engineers, 
you know, a lot of doctors, a lot of, you know, attorneys, um, you know, architects, you know, mathematics, people into mathematics, philosophy, they're in the paper space. Like it just kind of makes sense to them. But, you know, and then there's others that aren't, that then take the time to learn it and become familiar with the financial calculator. They take a class with Bill Tan out of California or Gary Johnston out of, you know, Idaho or Pete Fortunato. And they kind of kind of learn that stuff and educate themselves. So I find it fascinating, you know, where you've carved out a niche that works for you and that you're able to scale that gives you energy, you know, whereas that may not be the case for somebody else. So, um, so I do, what do you think, Cody, are going to be some of the biggest challenges that new investors are going to face investing in notes today? Well, I think finding the product is, is, is really key, right? Because you, you, can, you can have everything dialed in and, and know what to do, but just not have something to do it with, right? So, so get, getting the, the, the product is really going to be key. Um, so, but putting that aside, if, if you have a means of sourcing, you have some channels, I, I, I think, you know, for, for a new investor, um, you know, you, you can you can get pretty good uh, understanding how to price, right? So, so I don't think that's really the, the downfall. You can, you can be introduced to the vendors and then, um, and then you can say, okay, well, maybe I don't need to be a collateral expert because I've got one. So, right. So there's, there's, I think if, if it's, if it's a business that you're looking to, to do, um, I think one of the challenges is figuring out, are you going to be all in or are you going to dabble? That, that's, I think, a big, a big decision that needs to be made. Either you draw a line in the sand and you say, like, I'm closing this door when the time is right. And maybe that's after you've re, you know, replenished uh, half of your income or something like that. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about, you know, when the right time is to step out. I actually did, um, you know, I, I jumped in in, in 0809 and left the pharmaceutical industry. I was in it for nine years, worked for Merck and Santa Fe Aventis and Sepracor and left a cushy career, just basically kind of, you know, went to zero on income. And, and, and that, you know, worked scary. out for me, but it was very scary. And, and, and I say it worked out for me. It didn't work out well during the time. Right. But, but that's, it's like, you know, it's like Tony Robbins says, you know, how was the worst thing that ever happened to you? Actually the best thing that ever happened to you. So I was stretched beyond belief. I mean, very tough time. Um, but I think that's a decision that one has to make is, are, are you going to, are you going to give this a good runway and say, I may, you know, not have income for a while, but I, I'm committed to this. Right. It's like, are you interested or are you committed? And, and if you're committed, then you're going to go and you're going to say, look, this didn't work out the first three months. It's you know, lean, uh, but I'm going to keep after it. So I, I think that it's that determination of really seeing it through. The mechanics, I think you can get from a lot of folks, right? I mean, you can, like I said, you can learn how to price. You can get the right team around you. Um, you can get the right servicer. Uh, but, but it's really, it's also building that team and just deciding, you, you know, what, what you want to be. I, I think there's, there's a lot of clarity and that's why I was, you know, referencing strategic coach earlier is you know, whether you're in that or you've got, you know, EOS or some sort of, um, you know, fundamentals that, that you're thinking about what your, what your goals are mapping that future out and just knowing where you're, where you're trying to get to. I think that's probably, it's, it's sort of the business acumen and it's the mindset piece. That, that is less easily, uh, I, I think, taught 
and, and it's you, you may just be built for it or or not right some people just love the idea of the paycheck is coming every other friday and, and good that that hasn't really been you know I've, I've always been a horrible employee so 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 it's a you know I'm, I'm okay with the eat what you kill uh, uh you, you know philosophy and, it, and it's worked for me but it's not for everyone it takes a special kind of nutcase for that kind of lifestyle you know that's, so that's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. i think it, and we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up here but i i wanted to unpack a couple of things that you said because for anybody that's a broker you know cody made some great observations here in the beginning when he was getting started it was like he looked at it from the aspect of like not how can i just be in the middle and facilitate this these two relationships and bring these people together but what value can i bring to them and then he talked about it again when he goes to a bank and they've got a, a particular deal he's bringing value to them in the terms of speed like and and that person can go into that meeting with data that is important for their position. You think that's not valuable? That's incredibly valuable. And I recognize it because it happens for my other company when we're buying REOs, like, cause it's about speed. It's about commitment. If we say we're going to take it, we do it. And there's no question. And that kind of uh, behavior will bring it back to you tenfold because it, people need assistance, they need help, but they need, they need that person to be who they say they are and bring value to the table. So I really like that. And I, I think if you miss that part, go back and listen to it. The second thing is, and I don't think this is a mystery, Cody reads a lot. So I can tell that just from talking to you. I think uh, I'm glad we had you on the podcast, man, because I, I look forward to the day that we get to meet face to face because I think we got a lot in common. You know, so uh, we're both big into personal development and thinking big. And those are the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with. And if you, Aaron was talking about how people want to give up, you know, they hit a piece of hardship. And right now we're, a lot of people going through a big piece of hardship, right? And it would be easy to give up and not do it. And Cody could have easily given up on, in the beginning for him, where he's just like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. Uh, you know, and you, you talk about it, things happen to me or they happen for me. And, and that's a different way of looking at it. But I think people give up because they, they don't understand their why, you know, they don't, they don't have a big enough why it's not convinced them enough to, to go through the, the spots where you're going to get kicked in the balls and have to, to go through it to make it, you know? So uh, if you haven't figured out your why I had, a guy named by the by the name of Sean Whalen asked me one time, well, why why do you want that? I told him he's like, what are your goals? And I told him he's like, why do you want it? And I remember just standing there like a deer in the headlights, and I, I really didn't know the answer, you know. So and it forced me to really go back and think, is that what I really want? All right, why do I want it? And it's such a powerful question because once you know your why, you'll go through, you'll find any how to make it happen. And uh, it's good to see that you've done that, man. I'm really excited to have met you and glad to have had you on the show. It's been awesome. I bet all three of us have read Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Why. Sure. So, and if you haven't, for those listening, it's a great book. He published it, I think, 10, 11 years ago or so. And he has some other volumes that have followed up with that. But that book has some really great, impactful stories on discovering your why and also on leadership. 
you know, as you build out some, as you build out your business too. So it's a great book. He's, he's got, he even has a Ted talk he did on it, but yeah, it's been great. Cody, do you have any other parting words of wisdom or things that you want to share as we navigate through, through the, you know, the climate today, like any parting words of wisdom? Well, yeah, I, you know, I think for anybody that's tuning in here, uh, you know, you're already making a commitment to learn. And, and, and you know, as, as Ben mentioned, um, I, I think that the, the development, there's, there's no better investment you'll make in yourself. It's like there's been this stigma of, of self-help. It's like, well, you got to help yourself before you can really have something to help others. And so if it's in your heart to give, you know, this is where it starts is learning and filling yourself up. So uh, I would just encourage folks to continue to on their learning journey with you guys and, and, and other folks and and keep becoming a master of your craft, whatever it is, and and, and do what what really makes you, you happy. Because, you know, I've, I've gone through that exercise as, as well with the well, why do you want that? And then ultimately, you probably arrive at, well, because I want to have positive emotions and joy and be blissed out in, in my life. And if you can figure out what that is, you might you might kind of shortcut a lot of roads that are leading to nowhere uh, that, that you think are, are, you know, kind of your destiny. So I know that's again, a little bit woo, but then, then I just also want to share another, um, the seat of the soul, Gary Zukoff. Um, if you haven't looked him up and, and kind of you know, heard his pitch on, on the, the, you with the little Y is, is kind of your personality and the you with the big Y is your soul and your soul exists before you're born and it, and it survives after you're dead. It's immortal. And part, part of your journey in life is to, to align your personality with your soul. And, um, and, and so that's something, those are things that I think about every day when I ask myself, you know, who am I, what do I want? What's my purpose? What am I grateful for? And who wants to know? And, and, and that's just, you know, some Deepak, Chopra right there. But uh, yeah. you know, if you're into meditation and you want to kind of noodle on, on those questions, I think that for me, being focused and, 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 and exercising my brain as well as my body and having the energy to show up, that's you're almost destined to succeed. Cody, you're, you're a beautiful person. So we appreciate the insight and you know your words of wisdom. And I hope everybody that's listening in really appreciates that. The next time you're on an airplane, the flight attendant's going to tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. You know, it all starts there. Before you can help anybody else or help your children, you have to breathe and put that mask on first and take that in and, and be able to help yourself and what, what, what drives you and the passion you have. And so really appreciate it. Cody, what's, uh, what, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about what you're doing uh, or your website? Like, what information do you want to pass on to everybody? Yeah, I'm, I mean, we're, we're on LinkedIn, uh, you know, Faller Financial and, and uh, FallerFinancial.com uh, is the website, F-A-L-L-E-R Financial.com. And uh, yeah, look forward to interacting with folks. And then, you know, certainly at, at your next event, uh, I look forward to seeing you guys and meeting uh, other folks there as well. Right on. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Cody. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.